I have a friend who has worked for the U.S. government for a good period of time. He was a a senator's right-hand person in Southeast Asia. Uh, He now works with, uh, uh, I I believe it's a ministry to some Koreans. And uh, he's uh, traveled to North Korea, actually, several times trying to, you know, make some inroads there. But uh, he sent me uh, a link this week on email. And the link uh, that he sent me was to this article. Chinese officials demolish yet another church in Shanxi, China. Beautiful church building, imploding. Golden Lampstand Church becomes the third church knocked down or shut down in just over two weeks as religion crackdown widens. Authorities in China demolished a large church in the city of Linfi, Shanxi, Providence, and worshippers had to, to leave. It was done by worshippers to halt, done to the worshippers to halt um, all that was going on, and they were pressured to remain silent, according to witnesses. It was the third Christian church demolition or closure in China in the last two weeks and comes amid broader crackdown on quote-unquote Western religions by the government and the authoritarian leadership of the government. Muslim groups, especially in the far-flung providence of Zhangjiang, have also been targeted. Officials surrounded the Golden Lampstand Church with bulldozers, reduced the large building to rubble, a witness told Radio Free Asia. It has now been demolished, a church member said. The church member speaking on condition of anonymity said a large anti-riot team carried out the demolition. China Aid, a Texas-based Christian human rights organization, said the Golden Lampstand Church had been subject to government pressure since it was built in 2009. Quote, China repeatedly cracks down on house churches, which are churches that refuse to register officially with the government, often to opt out of government monitoring. Officials often persecute such choices, however, and some of the Golden Lampstand Church leaders have been imprisoned for one to seven years simply for serving in their church. In another providence, more than 1,500 churches, both Catholic and Protestant, have been targeted for demolition or cross removals in recent years, sources have said, in a campaign against churches not among, not among coming under state control. Chinese authorities have increasingly used uh, property regulations to remove crosses, demolished churches. On December 27th, a Catholic church in one village of a providence uh, was pulled down after authorities claimed it was occupying land illegally. Another Protestant church in northwest China region was also shut down around the same time. Freedom of worship was harshly restricted last year in China where authorities physically abused, detained, arrested, tortured, sentenced to prison, or harassed adherents of both registered and unregistered religious groups, said the U.S. Department um, of Government this past year. That's a little bit of an ominous picture, isn't it? Ominous picture. You're like, nice, beautiful building like that. wasn't very old. And they say, you're done. We're going to blow up your church and bring it down. Now, for all of some of the good things maybe a country like China does, they do not have full religious freedom yet, as evidenced by that. And so you have to be a registered church with the government. Separation of church and state, that whole concept, wherever it comes from, it says government stay out of what churches need to do, not churches stay out of the public square. All right? Big difference. Now, we don't have governments in our local communities or state or the nation that would come and demolish a church building. 
But I tell you what, who's behind the demolishing of the church buildings? Though it may be a government, it's the adversary. Satan does not want healthy, thriving churches. Now, the incredible thing about China is, even though there's been persecution since communism took hold, the church, the underground church, house churches, and otherwise, those who are not registered, if you will, with the state, have thrived. In fact, the Christian movement in China is, is incredible. Why? Because God doesn't need church buildings, because the church is not a building, right? And you know what? The church thrives historically through opposition. Because you come together and you say, what's the real thing? Why would you do something like that? And the adversary working behind the destruction of churches says, because I don't want people to come together in community and in prayer, to devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship. Satan does not want us to experience what God intended for there to be, the beauty of his church, his body, seeking and pursuing him and loving him. Opposition around the world, but I tell you what, there's opposition from the adversary here in this valley and even in this church because he does not want a church to thrive. This is the book I'd made mention to you last week by Chuck Swindoll, The Church Awakening. And again, it was my mom that recommended this book to me. Having read this book when she was 80, she's 87 years old and she's still interested in the church, being the church. And why does the church drift? And why does the church have problems? And so I was with her over Christmas break and she says, you should read this, Carrie. It's really good. So I'm like, okay, I'm reading it really good. I came across this this week from Chuck Swindoll. He says this, let's always remember two specific principles. Ours is a world that wants to squeeze us into its mold and it's uh, architect, your adversary, the devil. He hates everything you love, and he loves all that you hate. While Christ was promised to build up the church, he promised to build up the church, the adversary is equally committed to tearing it down. Let's conclude uh, some of our thoughts here with these two specific principles. One is about the adversary, and one is about the Lord. First, the adversary, quote, the adversary will stop at nothing to disrupt and, if possible, destroy the church, he says. Swindoll says, always remember this, we know that he can't completely tear it down, for Christ has promised the gates of Hades will not overpower it. But Satan will take it as far as he possibly can. He will use officials on the outside for his purposes. He will use Christians on the inside as well. Carnal Christians, honorary Christians, pseudo-Christians. He will use anything to disrupt and destroy a ministry. In his mind, the end justifies the means, so he plays by no rules but his own. Hypocrisy, wrong motives, mishandling of funds, sexual scandal, biblical error, bullying techniques, caustic criticism, unsigned letters, discouragement, disharmony, anything goes. The adversary will stop at nothing, but introducing compromise and, by introducing compromise and chaos into the church body, he tries to distract us from the spiritual erosion he has introduced. While we focus on numbers and budgets and needs and complaints and gripes, we can fail to notice the bricks that have begun to disappear from our own walls, one by one. The enemy of our soul tries to preoccupy us with the physical struggles and causes us to miss the spiritual conflict that rages in our lives. And he quotes A.W. Tozer here. Tozer says, It is not a cheerful thought that millions of us who live in the land of Bibles, who belong to churches and labor to promote the Christian religion, may yet pass our whole life on this earth without once having thought or tried to think seriously or deeply about the being of God. We prefer to think 
where it will be will do more good. We prefer to think where it will be do more good about how to build a better mousetrap, for instance, or how to make two blades of grass grow where one grew before. And for this, we are now paying a too heavy price in the secularization of our religion and the decay of our inner lives. To keep the main thing the main thing. Thinking deeply about God. Understanding what it means to be devoted to his purposes and his plans. Beginning of 2018, what will your year be filled with? We'll be filled with mousetraps. We'll be filled with just budgets, surviving, next level of your career, trying to finally get that degree done. Or we'll be consumed with the things of God and his purposes. So that's the first principle he said here was the adversary will stop at nothing to disrupt, if possible, and destroy the church. But then the second principle has to come back to what we just focused on in the Acts passage. The second is the Lord will honor and bless any plan that upholds prayer and promotes his word. Chuck says, please read that again. Okay, Chuck, we will. (laughs) The Lord will honor and bless any plan for a church. Any plan that upholds prayer and promotes his word. For I have crafted these words very carefully. Granted, that game doesn't plan doesn't square with today's church marketing techniques and seven-step plan for rapid church growth. The world's ways see such dependency as weak and foolish, and yet this reliance drips with the wisdom of God. God, not people, gets the glory in a ministry, upholds prayer, and promotes his word. Why would he not bless that? And so he goes on. I want us, the Awakening Church, to devote ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, which is the whole Bible, to the fellowship, be engaged in community, life group, rooted, financial peace. Don't be a lone ranger. The enemy will pick you off real easy. The breaking of bread, devotion to worship, remembering Christ and who he is coming together. Sunday should be a priority. Don't let other things trump the gathering to the breaking of the bread and the remembrance of Christ. And then what we just did, prayer. Prayer. We, as a church this year, more devoted to prayer. More special prayer meetings like that, Carrie? Or are we going to do that on Sunday mornings more? I don't know. Maybe here or there. I do know that in February, I've targeted a weekend, I think it's the 24th, that I want us to have a... uh, all day Saturday morning to a little bit afternoon, some training on prayer and intercession on that day. Because we need to be a people in prayer. There's some things that aren't going to happen in your life, your friend's life, your family's life, definitely in this nation without major breakthroughs in the spiritual warfare realm and an intercession that's needed in this valley. I want to encourage us to make those four things priorities. But it's interesting, you know, between those two verses, there's some other verses. (laughs) Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. 
Friends, this is not a perfect church because we're not perfect individuals. Your pastor is not perfect. Trust me, he's not. But we pursue Christ together. And through Christ, devoting ourselves to the things he calls us to, I believe that we will see wonderful, awesome things in our midst for this year. Are you in? Because there has to be a sense of devotion and commitment that comes from you in your life for that to happen. Not to be the biggest and best, the brightest, and wow, look at us. I've been there, done that, I'm good. Those years are past me. I just really want to be faithful. Faithful to you, faithful to us, one by one, group by group, that we are doing what God called us to do. And that's to be, as our mission statement says, fully alive in Christ and to his mission. You know, there's a couple other passages that we've used uh, through the years as a church, both here and um, where I've come from, other churches that are Christ-centered around the world. And these two passages you might be familiar with. The first is the great commandment, the love. Uh, this is a commandment from Jesus, right? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors, yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments, Matthew. It says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Whole Bible, Jesus summed it up right there. Great commandment. You're familiar with it, many of you. Then there's the great commission. Then Jesus came to them and he said, this was before he ascended to the heavens, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, the go is assumed and make disciples. Make disciples is the prominent verb in this passage. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey just a few things that are convenient. No, teaching them to obey everything Jesus said that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Some of you know my life was influenced in some uh, uh, 20-something years uh, by Rick Warren, who has a nice big church across the Santa Ana Mountains here. And at Saddleback, he has always said this, a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will build a great church. We have to have commitment to it. We have to have commitment to it. And uh, I remember sitting with Rick in a, a graduate class once, and we were sharing together on this kind of subject. And, and he was charging my windmills of saying, step out. He says, do something new. Bring, bring energy to the body of Christ because uh, there's a lot of dead churches, and it's hard to turn dead churches around. So consider doing something new. And I believe since I've come to be a part of this body a few years ago, uh, I'm now in my fifth year, that God's doing something new. And it's not always visible, but he's reworking and realigning. And I, again, step into this year with that kind of a commitment to the great commandment and the great commission, because I want to be a part of a great church, not for the, hey, look at us, you know, city on a hill, we no, Jesus. And I want us to be passionate about being disciples of Jesus Christ. The Awakening Church. Are you in? We're going to look at a specific way that you can be in. There's three values we're going to be looking at concerning the Awakening Church. Our mission is becoming fully alive in Christ and to his mission. But there's three values, and I've reworded them uh, for this morning. I've shared them in some different capacities, different kinds of phrases in the years past. But disciple-making, community-building, and missional living. I want us to look at those three because when Jesus said this, and remember we looked at this last week, 
Uh, Peter got it right. You know, he raised his hand. He says, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds to him and says, very good answer, Peter. You got that right. That was not by your own smarts. That was because the spirit of God revealed it. And then he says, on this rock, on this truth that you just proclaimed, Peter, not on Peter and church ecclesiastical structures and hierarchies of leadership, whether it's denominational heads or popes. I will build my church, not on individuals, on this truth of who I am. For Jesus is the one who builds his church. And on this rock, I will build my church. And we said last week, church is a phrase that was used in that day for assembly. But when Jesus put his word my in front of assembly, he was saying, this is my called out assembly of followers. And I will build my church. And I love the statement, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. No, no. Not going to do that. I was at a great basketball game last night at CBU and APU, beautiful event center up there in Riverside where my son goes. And uh, the one guy jumped up, and, man, he, he whopped this ball from somebody who was trying to shoot it. What's the whole stadium do? Oh, man, that was great. What a block. That was an incredible block, right? And then he wagged his finger. Not in my house you're doing that. And I think Jesus, this is Jesus' statement saying, uh-uh, Satan, not in my house. You ain't going to do that. You ain't destroying my student ministry. You ain't destroying my church. No, 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 not in my house. You get out of here. The gates of hell will not prevail. I like this section over here. But the word church, in Jesus' mind, is the church universal. All believers in Christ, those in China, those here, those in other places around the world, there's one church. There's many denominations, different colors and stripes, some independent, but there's just one church of Jesus Christ in this valley. Those who are truly followers of him. And we unite around that. We're not divisive. We uphold truth. We don't compromise truth. Different shades, different ways that people like to look at things, but we hold sincere to the apostles' teaching, to truth. But there's one church of Jesus Christ, and he says, that church I will build throughout the eons of times, the crescendoing effect. And not my house, Satan. You are not going to destroy this. So no matter how you get discouraged, even by an email link like I just got this week about that church in China imploding, Jesus sits back and says, now what? Now you get them all riled up. Now they're going to disperse because, you know, that's what happened in the New Testament. When persecution came, the Christians dispersed, and it was God's plan for Christians to disperse. He will build his church. And sometimes he passes over certain local churches. He says, "Ah, I guess you're not with me. So he'll move somewhere else. But God wants to build his church in this valley. And I'm saying, hey, pick us. We want to be right there in the middle of it. But when God says, I'm going to build my church, the universal church, it really comes down to some tactical local aspects. And this is a local church. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a member of God's church universal. You are positionally in that church. When Jesus comes again, when you die and you pass on, why should I let you into my heavens to live with me eternally? There's only one answer, not because you were good or bad or whatever. You have to have Christ living within you because your righteousness and my righteousness is nothing 
But if Jesus' righteousness within us, Jesus says, come on into my heaven. All right? So if you are a believer in Christ, you are a part of the positional, universal church of the world throughout all time. And we will be gathered on that final day. We'll have prayer meetings. We'll have praise sessions. We'll all do all kinds of things. And by the way, with praise, I do think he's going to have multiple bands. Different kinds of styles of music for all of us. What do you think? Okay, generations. All right. But we will be together, together as one church. That's the church universal. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're a part of that. You're a member of that. You don't have to do anything to me or for us locally. But what God then calls, he talks about local places of ministry. And they gathered, as it says there in the book of Acts 2. And so they gathered in local context. And I believe in the local context, it's not positional membership because that's in the universal church but there is what i refer to as participating membership are you in participating membership in the local church and i want us to look at this really fast this morning this is going to go so fast you're going to go where did that all go all right but i want you to understand that we at a local church level have participating membership not so you can wear a badge around but so you can say i'm in i'm in And this is a defining moment. I'm not floating from one church to another here and there, those kinds of things. For this local church, for this season of time, as God's called me, I am in. Some of you are participating members in this church. I used to have a class for participating membership. I could still have a class for participating membership. In part, it's called Rooted because of everything that we cover in Rooted. But the reality is, a lot of people, they sort of say, yeah, that's my church. I don't know why I'm a member or not a member. So I just decided, let me bring it to Sunday morning. Here's the deal. You have in your program an insert about participating membership. And I want you to pull that out because we're just going to walk through this real quick. And then the choice is in your hands. All right. And it says at the top of your sheet right here, if you don't have a sheet, raise your hand. Some of you didn't get sheets. We have a few in the back. Tiff will run around, just raise your sheet. You need one. Everybody needs one of these today. I put two of them in there for a reason. One you can keep, one you can take, turn in later, or maybe... If you're sitting beside someone who doesn't have one, here. So everybody, here we go. It says at the top, I covenant to God and to others the following steps of obedience concerning the mission and core values of our church in order to be a participating member. So I break it down this way. This isn't unique to us. Any Christ-centered, um, God-glorifying church should have these aspects. They may use them in different kinds of words. But I want us to be a disciple-making, community-building, missional-living church. And I want us to be radical about it. Radical in the sense of we're devoted to it. And I am a participating member because I'm in the boat. I'm not rocking the boat. What do I get out of membership, you say? Service. What do you get out of membership? Identity with Christ and his sufferings. What do you get out of membership? A chance to be able to move a vision forward in a local context in other ways that maybe you couldn't do on the outside. It's really not about you. It's about Christ. And he wants to know, are you in? Are you in? And so here, I want to challenge you as we walk through this this morning, just these bullet points. Would you consider being a participating member of this local church? I know positionally you're in the church universal with Jesus Christ. But this local church, whether you're here for the first time or you've been here for a long time, are you a participating member? Are you in? And if you're not a participating member, if you don't feel led to do this, that doesn't mean you're on the outside. Don't ever show up again. That's that's silly. That's not the church. All right. But this is a way for us to define God's calling for us, that the church of Jesus Christ, known as the awakening church, 
that the gates of Hades would not prevail against what God's calling us to do for him. So these three core values. I had more inspirational titles before, sometimes passionate spirituality, radical community, missionary zeal, those kinds of things. But I sort of tweaked them and reworked them. There's the deeper life, the communal life, the missional life. I, but I want to use values in a sense to teach, not only in this moment, but for us to teach and encourage one another and carry them with us for 2018 and beyond. So these are teaching tool values, and we will continue to build into each of these over the course of this year. Disciple making. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Jesus was radically calling people to follow him. And so when we talk about being a Christian, it means what it meant in the early days. I identify with Christ. I am a Christ follower. This is not placating. Oh, I'm a Christian. I grew up in a Christian nation. I grew up in a Christian home. La-di-da. Yeah, Jesus says la-di-da. It doesn't matter. I don't care what family you grew up in. I don't care what nation you grew up in. I don't know how many times you got the sticker for being at church in attendance. If you are not willing to radically follow Jesus Christ, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. They knew what that meant. They saw people carrying their cross. They took their cross and they died. Jesus calls us to die to self and to live to him. And it is counterintuitive. Right on the heels of this, he who saves his life, he who thinks he will save his life will lose, but he who ever loses his life for me and my sake will find it. It's radical counterbalance. You give your life away to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you will find it. Disciple making. We want to be serious about it. There's five Check marks underneath disciple making that I want you to own if you want to be a participating member of this local church. And they all sort of make sense. These boxes are checked because they're not optional. So I checked them for you. I had somebody this week in leadership team say, I think we need to have people initialize some of them. I go, well, maybe we should initialize them. You know, when you go through documents. The first is, I believe... Jesus died, rose again, and professed him as Savior and Lord. Front and center. You can't be a part of a local church unless you're a part of the universal church. Be foolish for us to think you're fully in as a participating member of this body if you're not in positionally with Christ and his eternal body. So have you made that profession of faith? And if not, you could do that this very day or in your home tonight. I affirm my faith in Christ through the public declaration of baptism. We had a beautiful baptism a few weeks ago. Have you been baptized to publicly declare? It's something that Christ says to be obedient in Scripture. My son, this week I got together with him. I said last night he spent two weeks in Israel. And I said, how'd that Jordan River go? He says, it's really small. It's like a little stream. And I go, yes, it's different. But they baptized people in the Jordan River during the days of Jesus. Jesus was baptized. And he says, do this. Follow after me. Have you been baptized? If you've not been baptized, it doesn't disqualify you from signing a participating membership covenant today. Just say it the next time that this church offers to be baptized, I'm in. Not as an infant being baptized. It's as a believer. Have you been baptized publicly? Immersion in water, come up and out of the water. You're good to go. You're declaring God's faith. Third. Oh, by the way, if you want to do that baptism, just on the back of your card, just mark, I'm interested in baptism. There. How about that for a simple how-to step? Okay? 
I take up the disciple-making pathway to become more like Jesus. Friends, we spent several weeks talking about the disciple-making pathway. On the back of the half sheet of paper you have is this diagram. This diagram can be confusing, I suppose, but it's saying you're going to go on a journey. You're taking up your cross to follow Christ. And whether it's the initial phase of just discovering what it means to be called by Jesus and called to Jesus, whether it's the issue of obedience, community, freedom, service, mission, you are on this pathway of becoming like Christ. It doesn't happen overnight. For Rooted, Wednesdays, starts at 6.30. Several of you signed up. I'm great. We're all going to gather here on Wednesday. We may end up breaking that into two groups. I think we might have enough for two rooted groups, which is cool. That has to do with the disciple-making pathway. Many of the things we talk about, and if you want to get devoted to the disciple-making pathway, just write rooted on the back of your Connect card when you turn it in at the end of service because I'll follow up with you immediately today even, all right, to say come Wednesday, 630, or just show up. Hear it out. Maybe it's not for you. That's cool. But if you want to be devoted to spiritual growth, that's the starting point for us as a local body is to walk through rooted experience. If you are a long-term believer, but yet you've got a little sideways, you just want to be sharpened, you want to be sharpened by people that are younger in their faith, rooted. It's for everybody. Okay? Four, I seek intimacy with Jesus through scripture, prayer, and worship. Friends, I love the term intimacy with Jesus. Sometimes that's not a cool term. Or sometimes, men, that's like, okay, that's a little too personal. You were designed to have an intimate relationship with Jesus, and you cultivate it through various means. Scripture, prayer, and worship are a priority. And I'm not talking about just Sunday morning worship. I'm talking about worshiping the Lord out in your car or walking along a path during the week. You spend time in the presence of the Lord. That was one of the songs we sang this morning, the whole presence aspect. And then I really like number five. (laughs) I won't belabor this point. But you're saying as a participating member, I accept responsibility for my own spiritual formation and growth. We will do our best to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to give you opportunities to grow spiritually, to put a community of people around you that champion you spiritually. But friends, when all is said and done, you are responsible for your own spiritual formation and growth. You are where you're at today spiritually because of what you do and do not do. And we do and do not do because of what we want to do. If you want to grow spiritually, the Holy Spirit is not going to hold back from seeing you have a beautiful, incredible 2018. But you're saying, I'm going to take this on. Sign up for Rudy. Get around some other people in a life group, whatever it may be. But you are responsible for it. I don't know how many times I've had in history past, go, oh, the church is not feeding me, or they're not taking care of my kid. My kid's not growing spiritually. I'm like, okay, let's go back and recalibrate this whole thing. Yes, we need to be about the task as a church of being faithful in those four primary areas we've mentioned. But it's not up to the church to feed you spiritually. Okay? Community building. I love this passage out of Colossians. It just talks about the flavor of community life in the body of Christ. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against one another, which is common. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
Doesn't that sound like a beautiful setting? Friends, we work towards that. Warts and all, sin and all. To be a body and to be a community, we build community. I will build my church. Community is built one relationship at a time. Get connected. Find friendship. Speak into someone else's life. Mine are down here on the front row. I'll pick on him. He see me Facebook out a picture this week. Him and four guys, right? Five of you in that group. Some of you are here today. You guys starting to meet every Monday night. And you're building into one another's lives. And I guarantee you, you're going to have community building that's going to foster spiritual growth because you're devoting yourself to community. That's a beautiful experience. Get some people, just get them together. Say, you know, hey, morning, afternoon, evening, whenever. What's, just read God's word and what's God, God, what's God maybe saying in that passage of scripture. You don't have to be some professional Bible teacher to have community, to mentor one another, to pray for one another. Community building, you own it, we own it as a local church. One of the best things I believe this small little church called the Awakening Church has going for it is I believe people here love and care for one another. And this church will grow numerically because that's a contagious thing. People are starving. They need real relationships of depth, authentic, meaningful relationships that don't put people on a pedestal, that don't um, write people off, but they go on the journey. Forgive one another if any of you has grievances. Bear with each other. Community building. So here's your checkpoints. I honor God through both personal and weekly corporate worship. Be here. Be a part of this community. Whatever may happen, some weeks is pretty good. Some weeks maybe it's not so good. It's not about us. It's not about the band. It's not about me. It's about Christ. We come. We're committed to personal and weekly corporate worship in our lives. In fact, I was thinking about this. We've sort of gotten away from it. Maybe you guys can help me with it. Ushers, whatever, back, back there carrying this up. I want us to get back to doing the name tags a little bit more because that helps build the community thing. So when you come in, go to the back table or right outside, just write your first name, stick it on you. Why? Because it's awkward. For some of you it is, but for others of us it really helps us get to know your name. Thank you. Number two, I foster relationships of depth in a missional community life group. Are you in a life group? Life group, financial peace, uh, rooted, uh, women's Bible study, whatever it might be at the moment. But are you fostering relationships of depth? Check it. I'm in. There's different groups starting up. There's a group on Monday night. You still on Monday night, Josh? Monday night group, Tuesday night group. Dave, you guys are Tuesday night, right? And I think the Giddens, I don't know if they're here this morning. I think they're Wednesday night, right? And so there are life groups to get a part of. On the back of your connect card, just say, I want to be a part of a life group. And I'll follow that through and make sure that you're connected. I support my church leadership, mission, vision, values, and beliefs. It's not that we're perfect, but I'm in the boat, uh, rowing the boat, not rocking the boat, on board. Even a a message like this helps you identify with who we are. And by the way, the beliefs, great song, uh, Joe, with the Creed song this morning. I just love that song. You know, I believe in God the Father. That's Apostle Creed, man. You're front and center. That's what we believe. If you want to have a further understanding of the beliefs that this church has, go online, theawakeningchurch.tv, and our um, uh, statement of faith is there. Four, I protect church unity by resolving conflict and refusing to gossip. Okay. (laughs) As evidenced by your response just now, we can all park here for a long time. I put this in the membership covenant because... Not in my house. Satan will destroy a local body through conflict and gossip, and we make a commitment to deal with it. 
Students, do I have it right? Matthew 18. You've been on it this last week? For four weeks, they're on number four. And what was it you told me, Joe, this last week, that they were sort of a little bit taken back this last week, that you mean I have to go to somebody that's offended me, like it says in Matthew 18? Read it, Matthew. And, and I don't get a you know, text about it to other people first? <laughs> I never thought about that, but that's what we do. Or people that air stuff on Facebook or whatever. It's like, oh, I can't believe it is. It's like, is that not biblical? Subtweeting. Subtweeting. What's subtweeting? Oh, just come Tuesday night, right, for a youth group. It's like when you, you talk about someone, but you don't. You're like, oh, nice striped shirt, not. Oh. <laughs> nice striped Subtweeting. All right. Man, you guys are good for us. We need to get in this world, okay? Your kids are in this world, all right? But that whole underlying sarcasm, conflict, gossip kind of thing, we just say, uh-uh, not in this house. Jesus is determined to have a body of people that have unity. doesn't mean that we don't mess up here or there, but you go to the person, it says in Matthew 18, if they reject you and trying to come and point out a sin area, then take a good friend with you. Have a third person. And if that third person, that still they still slam the door in your face, then it says take it to the church. It doesn't mean you're going to come up here and announce it to the church publicly, all right? Sins that are done in private need to be confessed in private, but you will have some church leadership, a life group leader. Somebody will help you resolve the conflict issue that you have in a relationship we have to practice that i've seen more churches destroyed by this than anything probably and it starts in the leadership actually number five then i pursue generosity through regular giving and biblical stewardship we place this in there in the community building because it's part of that goal and that passion that desire that we need to have and um i don't know i'm just going to make this statement uh you see this in your program every week Interested in giving today? Text AWAKENING to the number 77977 for one-time gift or set up regular giving. Quick, easy, and secure. I had to do that this week. Why? Because of some conviction God put on my heart and looking at finances, I wasn't where I needed to be with my tithe. You can take your phone out right now. You text AWAKENING to 77977. It'll send you to an app. And this is no, hey, we've got to have your money at this church. Trust me, it's not that way. It's a discipleship thing. All right? You give as Lord has laid on your heart. Yes, the tithe has been historical, biblical standard, 10%. That's 10%. You know, what's your salary? You know what your salary is? Take 10% of that. Go to that website. Text it in. There, in an appropriate way, right? And sign up for regular monthly giving. Just do it. It's not going to be easier tomorrow or next week. Or when you start seeing more in your paycheck, hopefully in February, because of the tax thing that they did. You just step into it and you live with it like you live with everything else. And as you do it, you're not doing it begrudgingly. Everybody should decide what to give with a cheerful heart, Scripture says. But this establishes the priority of Christ first in all of our life, all of our life. And what I find is a lot of times people have really good intentions. I've had good intentions, but I need some type of mechanism. And one of the mechanisms that helps me is when I have an automatic withdrawal in my account. And I said, oh, there it goes. Well, praise God, I worship him today. I can't believe I now don't have money to pay that bill. <laughs> we all live in the same world. He will provide. That's right, Mike, as you're obedient to him. 
And uh, we've seen that in our lives since we've moved here and uh, just so gracious to God. You've seen it in your life as well. I just exhort us. I pursue generosity through regular giving and biblical stewardship in general as God leads you. Think percentage. Don't think dollar amount. And maybe God's calling you to increase that percentage. Missional living and finally, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. Matthew 24.14. In this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Friends, we are part of a movement of God in history around the world. We are seeking to make disciples of all people in Jerusalem, locally, and Judea, those cross-cultural places regionally that maybe aren't that great, and then Samaria, people unfamiliar with you, and then to the ends of the earth. We are all called to be his witnesses. This gospel, when it's preached in all the world, then guess what? We're good to go, Jesus says. And he says, welcome into your place of eternal rest. But not till then. So we live on mission, the mission of Christ to take the gospel of his kingdom that's advancing into all the world. So here's your checkpoints. If you want to be a participating member, I seek in this area of missional living to develop a servant's heart in helping others in need. Forefront, caring for people, people in need, the poor. Two, I share my life in faith with those who do not follow Jesus Christ. You don't have to be some big-time evangelist and go on uh, YouTube or something. You just need to be a faithful witness when you're talking to people in your everyday life. Jesus is doing this in my life. Don't be afraid to say the name Jesus around other people. And let other people know it's Jesus who's directing your life. You can do it in a non-haughty way or Bible-thumping way, just a genuine, sincere way and many people might be attracted because they are looking as well third i participate on a ministry team and regularly serve my church i love the people that are all different kinds of ministry teams here you may already be on a ministry team here that's great whether it's setup team worship team children's ministry team you name it intercessions team great if you're not on a ministry team just be willing to do that and at the bottom there's a blank for you just to put a question mark if you don't know where you want to serve or put in there where you'd like to serve we'll follow up Number four is I invite others to church and warmly engage those who visit. I have this in there because Sunday morning is a primary means for us to be able to do outreach, to do missional living. And this is a missional context here as we love and care for one another. Some of you are new here this morning and you're checking this place out and go, I can't believe I came on a Sunday with talk about membership. And that prayer circle thing is a little different. Hey, we, we just want you to be a part of what God wants to do in your life. And we see Sunday morning as a time for us to engage. And if you don't know somebody that's seated next to you or that was in your prayer circle, it is your responsibility at least to introduce yourself, maybe get to know them more. Community building, but it's missional living as well. Because there may be some people here, maybe you're new here this morning, and there's brokenness and there's need in your life. We want the power and the presence of the Spirit of Jesus to be able to touch your life. And then finally on this, I commit to doing my part in being on mission in my community during the week and involved in the task of global evangelization. So it's both local and global. Is it in February you guys are going to do your mission? February the 4th? February the 4th. If you would like to know more about how to be involved in global missions, um, there's a group of people who are going to walk right over across the street to uh, the Mexican little restaurant there, Alvarado's, and uh, circle up to talk about how we can get better at 
doing the global evangelism thing, if that's on your heart. February 4th, that'll be in the program coming up. I talked to Debbie and Tom down here. Wave. There we go. But that's all a part of this mission of living as well, right? So I've now eaten up all the time, and that's because you guys prayed for so long. No. <laughs> so sorry, band. We're going to nix that last song. Uh, but I want us to pause, and I want you to decide if you're willing to sign your name, write it, I guess print it, give us your email, what life group are you in. If you're not in a life group, just put I want to be in one or a question mark what ministry team you're willing to serve on. If you need to go back and personally initial some of those 15 uh, bullet points, do that. Nobody's going to follow you up, send you through a test, scrutinize your life concerning this. This is just a simple covenant you are making before God and with this body to be a participating member. I know if you're a believer in Christ, you're a positional member in his universal church. Praise Jesus. But have you ever thought about really getting committed to a local body, being a participating member locally? So we're going to pause for just a few moments of silent prayer as you ask the Lord, what would I do on this? And maybe there's some point here. Maybe it's in the area of community. Maybe it's in the area of giving, whatever it may be. Ask the spirit of Jesus. I'll close the prayer and then we'll be dismissed for the day.